I need a bit of a that kind of beat. What, what do you want? Do you want a one twenty eight? Do you want a one twenty eight, or do you want one? Give me a, a one steady one two eight BPM, man. Put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air. Yes. If like, yeah. <laughs> if you like Eva Cassidy. So uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all I got. Kia ora everybody um, and welcome to another episode of Music, Movies and Madness. Hey, in this episode um, we're going to be looking back to 1996. Um, however, in the addition to the usual crew of David, Ian and Martin and myself, we're actually very lucky to have our first special guest join us um, on the podcast. And our guest's name is Dom Tupu and he's also known as Blacksmith. Obfuscate and humane and um, besides being a great mate Dom shares our passion for music and movies and like Ian and Martin um, Dom applies his musical talent as part of his livelihood as well. Um, Dom based in Melbourne and um, plays at Electric Ladyland Section 8 and Radio Bar Venues. Um, Welcome to the show Dom. Thank you, thank you, much appreciated. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, thanks for deciding to um, join up and have a have. Obviously, thank you for having a listen, and then joining up with us um, on on the show. Yeah, no, I love listening to the last episode. Give me a nice a nice taste of uh, the depth of level you guys go into, which which is quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, you went to one the whole go. Yeah. Ian wasn't even on that one, so that's probably why it was so good. <laughs> so, Dom, maybe tell us a bit about what it's like to be a muso in Melbourne at the moment. Oh, it's not, it's not too bad. It's pretty crazy. I mean, there's lots of people doing lots of things. So, of course, there's lots of stress and lots of uh, craziness that always is, is in tow, but it's part of the part of the you know, package, I guess music scene must be starting to get up and running now that lockdown um, has ended and uh, people are coming out of their shell. Yeah, yeah music scene's amazing here. Um, now that we've finally started reopening, uh, mm. I've started playing a few gigs over the last couple of months, which has been good. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, people are still a bit scared to leave the home. Um, I think uh, I think COVID's done a, a lot of our you know, a lot on all of our mental states. Um, so, you know, when, when people have noticed that I'm getting back into the clubs and playing some gigs, they're kind of like, oh, okay, maybe we should probably get out and check it out. Um, you know, the clubs aren't as, as busy as, as usual, but, you know, I can I could feel that it's the, 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 you know, the fear of probably not wanting to. So, Dom, um, we're going to ask you a few questions since you're a special guest, and then we'll get into what, what makes 1996 the year that you chose. Um, you, where, where did you grow up, man? Uh, so I was born and raised in Dunedin, actually. Um, really? Most most of the time I provide that response and people go, were you really Pacific Islanders down south? I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> stop standard approach happens all the time and I'm quite oh, mate. with it. No, no, it's all right. I, I was the only Asian on the Capity Coast for about 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> I know what it's like, mate, minority. I know. You, I know. I'm, I'm all with you there. <laughs> uh, no, but Dunedin, yeah. Yeah, a little old Dunedin. Um, 
born and raised, I guess, um, what, fall in love with uh, music and, and, and movies basically came from there as well. So um, a beautiful piece of, uh, of New Zealand that I love. Uh, my backyard being Central Otago, so Queenstown, um, Cromwell, Wanaka, you know, just gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes that um, I miss dearly. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been home for almost three years now. So mm. um, talking about them is making me teary. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. But um, I hope to uh, hope to tackle that in the next twelve months anyway. Dunedin's got quite comment. a lively pub slash club scene, hasn't it? Around the well, Octagon, there it's got certainly the students sort of keep it well patronised, don't they? So this is a kind of cool thing about Dunedin I love is that it's pumping basically between February and November, and then yeah. it's just going around because uh, yeah, yeah. all the students come in and have gone for the year. So um, as a musician, it's gorgeous because you know you know. You know when your local nights are going to be, and you know when your crazy nights with everyone is going to be. So, um, you know, the, the musical history of Dunedin is pretty epic as well, with the the whole Dunedin sound and stuff like that. And as um, you know, uh, a skinny white boy from the suburbs, all that guitar stuff actually sort of you know um, um, was quite you know somehow talked to me. But yeah, it, it would have been what was it like? For you growing up, there being, you know, there wouldn't have been, would there be huge, is there a large um, Polynesian community down there? It's quite, there is actually. And it's kind of like most, uh, like most countries really with, you know, your suburbs, the generally um, when, you know, um, families of different cultures move in, they generally mm. stick with each other. So, you know, they're, they're not all in, in one place at the same time, unless it's Sunday and it's church, that's generally the, the <laughs> island way. Uh, and you know you'll, you'll see them step out in all their white, and everyone's trying to figure out what's going on. But um, you know, yeah, there is definitely a huge population uh, of Pacific Islanders down south. And even um, growing up in high school, um, when a lot of uh, you know our good friends now had moved down from um, you know up north to come and be in our high school, there was a lot of um, kind of knowledge that we had to give them about the fact that you know a lot of um, a lot of the beef and things that happen up north aren't the same down here. You know, we don't have those types of rivalries, um, you know, mm. between between island countries and things like that. So mm. we took a very big um, educational focus on a lot of the you know, new people coming into the community. So, well, I've, I'm just thinking about this as I'm talking about it. I've never really talked about it out loud. So it's a very, very interesting um, thing to go through as you're growing up. Yeah, absolutely, because you often hear a lot about the Auckland scene, but you don't, um, I haven't heard much about um, growing up, you know, this is the southern, one of the southernmost cities in the world, and yeah, um, interesting melting pot of um, musical sounds. So what was your earliest sort of musical memory? How did you, how did you get into music, etc.? Um, real, real funny story. I basically, I had a, I had a love for music since probably the age of 12, 13. Um, take it back a little bit. My mother had got my auntie from Samoa over to New Zealand to live with us. Um, and she started going through high school. So, um, just to give you context of technology and timelines, uh, my auntie was at high school and we have to carry a typewriter around everywhere <laughs> she and that's one of my fondest memories of her. And I've told her this recently as well. But that thing was heavy as hell, man. I don't know how they expected <laughs> to just rock around with a typewriter everywhere. It was just ridiculous. 
super ridiculous. But I'm always going to love my music through her. She would buy a lot of cassette tapes and bring them home. My parents had their own cassette tapes as well, um, vinyl as well. So I'd always be dipping in, you know, what was it around at home uh, at that time. That's kind of where that love came in. But moved down a few more years and I ended up falling in love with putting on parties, basically. Um, I got the opportunity to work, uh, do work experience with the company which was all about um, providing sound uh, and lights to certain events that were happening around it in at the time. So um, on tap, basically, I had access to all of the DJ gear of its time as it was being released, and I got to basically use all of it. So um, at a young age, being able to throw these wee parties and, and have to play on these you know, different types of technology that were coming out, I was kind of schooling myself on it as well. So... Um, yeah, really, really, really strange and funny kind of thing that happened. But, you know, it's all the groundwork of kind of where I'm at today. So we've got a couple of performers here, um, Ian and Martin, uh, performers. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so what, what, what would sort of gave you that sort of thing that actually you want to be up on stage and um, putting on a show? Martin. Oof. I mean, there's definitely a buzz. <laughs> a so, you do get such a buzz from it, um, from being up there. Um, and I, you know, although I've done a lot of gigs in my time, and um, I still, you know, you still get that stage fright thing. <laughs> I still get that. And <laughs> um, and it's been a while now since I've actually done a gig. But, um, yeah, I think... Um, as you, I think the part of it is actually just developing as a musician. So as you become more experienced as a musician, what you start to do is, you know, you start finding yourself at a gig and suddenly, you know, you can, you can realise that you can actually look up from your hands and actually see that there are other, other people in the room <laughs> and actually start to kind of build that connection a little bit. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, it's such a buzz being up there, you know, and just kind of having that freedom for... A couple of hours before you kind of got to pack up and go home again, and and it's um yeah it, just playing with other people as well, you know that that interconnection between musos, you know mm -hmm. if, if you play an instrument, you know you you've automatically got another form of communication going on, you know if you can if 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 you you just there's just a connection, you know and often it's unsaid, you know it's it's not. Um, you don't have to kind of express it. it you, you just read each other, and as you become more experienced again, as you're playing, I think that that connection and you know that that's part of it for me, a big part of it. I just really dig that playing with other people. Just yeah, you can just get that. Ah, oh, it's hard to describe it, but there's just a kind of connection that you get from doing that that you don't get from anything else. A bit of magic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of magic. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was the same. I was, um, I don't know if my microphone's working or what. It is. You it is. You're, all, you're all good now, man. Okay, cool. Thank you. But yeah, I, I think I started, um, I think going back to the college days, wasn't it, boys, when we did all those college shows, guys and dolls and all that sort of shit. Mm, mm. And um, we had to perform and do all that stuff. And uh, I think I found a, a 
I think I found performing was a a comfortable place for me to be at. It was more like a zone. So I feel way more comfortable on a stage than off a stage. And yeah, that's that's a so it's a spiritual for me, and that's the performance. So it definitely, yep, that's all about that. I think any arts like that, though, right? You could be any um, any for, any form of art, weaving, yeah. painting. I think if it's yeah. your passion, you know, as they say, right? It's like if it's your job and and it's your passion at the same time, it's not mm-hmm. a good job. I saw I saw that Don was nodding quite a bit there when the, you guys were talking about that. Um, Mr. Blacksmith, um, if that is what you call him, Mr. Blacksmith, um, uh, it, for you, what's it like? You're, you're creating these characters. You, the, the one obfuscate, which I really struggle to even say. <laughs> I, I, I found it. Um, I found it intriguing that during my time in New Zealand with DJ, um, the one guy that does everything kind of never really works. And I mean that in, you know, one DJ being multi-genre. Today it can work, but at the time, you know, in that kind of 2000s moving forward, it was something that no one could really pull off. And I attempted it mm-hmm. and I didn't do it. So Blacksmith yeah. itself, you know, was a, um, a lover of uh, jazz, funk, soul, hip-hop, R&B, uh, and house. Those, those are the kind of positive vibes of music that Blacksmith would bring. Um, and he was a classy guy, you know, like you say, it was a bit of a persona. He was a classy guy. He'd yeah. show up with a Cuban cigar, be sitting there DJing with a cognac and would be wearing a fedora, <laughs> you know, and, and he'd be wearing black on black, you know, so he'd have a black shirt, black tie, you know, and suit. That was the kind of guy Blacksmith was. And, and for him, um, like you were saying yeah. before, um, Martin, you know, it's all about the connection. When people are watching this classy dude spin tunes, they're like, what? I really like this group. What's going on here? Where's he taking this? And so that, a level of connection kind of all came together. Um, and that was what Blacksmith was about. Was he was the class of guy that rock up on a Sunday and do red red wine sessions. Um, you know, for, nice, nice. For couples that were for couples that would finish watching the movies and they're just going out for one quick wine after, but I'd never let them leave, and they wouldn't want to leave either. But um, you know, it was yeah. just just that kind of vibe that I was creating with him. Was was something uh, more about the love for music, but having people love the music with me at the same time, and that connection thing that you brought up is perfect to a T. Um, to give you more like context on me as a person, I'm a heavy introvert, so you know I'm I'm the guy that's hiding in the back generally. Yeah, um, had struggled to have conversations with people, small talk, all that jazz. But in my time, I learned to kind of break out and. Um, become that ambivert that can have the extroverted um, kind of level of attention and then run away and hide like an introvert. But music for me, music for me was my way of expressing, um, you know, this guy who has so much to give but doesn't know how to say it. The music kind of taught that for me for Blacksmith. So I really, really enjoyed my time as that guy because that was really <laughs> able to put everything out on the table without having to really say a thing. Nice, love it. So your alter ego um, is played played out through these personas, these characters, kind of, yeah. That you've yeah, developed like... as a way of communicating, and and in terms of developing these characters, um, how does that work? So you have do you have input from your your fans, from your audiences, from your family? How does that work? 
they're actually they're actually me as a person loving different types of music and it goes back to that one guy can't do everything in 2000 moving mm. forward so it's kind of like by creating these personas that did these certain things i was able to actually still love those different types of music but it's a different person and so when i go to perform mm. most people are me in general yeah, yeah. Um, and it came across a little weird to get used to because you know the classy guy blacksmith would turn up for an office game pick and then to realize that right right this doesn't work this way he's more of a dark heavy electronic drum and bass um you know a lot of glitch hop a lot of um dubstep very very dark dark music which is the complete opposite of blacksmith who was the the clean crisp you know guy so yeah yeah i changed that straight away and it was you know would turn up wearing a major league baseball um you know jersey with you know a, a pair of shorts and some and some cool sneakers and be like you know the guy that really doesn't care about everything but still drops absolutely madness when he can and walk away and go home and still be me and hide away in my internet box i must have been looking at your bio um i didn't understand what a lot of those genres that obfuscate um does and I don't know if that's a sign of me just age, being bro. Age. <laughs> I, I don't know I don't know if it's an age thing because these things it have is. been around for a long time. You're old bro. Oh have you <laughs> yeah you're old mate <laughs> yeah and, and you're you're the same you like okay do you, you you have no idea what it means either do you no <laughs> hey, man yeah man yeah. <laughs> totally I was a DJ back in high school. Don't you remember? Yes, oh. I do. But you're more oh. I, got, nice. I, got, I got accused of creating racial division for playing Rage Against the Machine. You were spinning Listen the to, tape deck. Oh, mate. The oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> hey, Dom, have you uh, – so when you, when you DJ, uh, I know quite a few DJs and I knew quite a few in England when I lived there. So we, are you kind of DJ that rocks up with a, a – you always sort of have a bit of a case of vinyl or do you just do it all uh, – is it all nowadays like streaming media? Is there any vinyl involved at all? So um, I began strictly vinyl uh, only because in Dunedin, you're in the smallest part of the South Island, they would still kind of get some good records come through and uh, a, lot of, a lot of us DJs generally meet one day and we kind of had competitions of like what the best records were we could buy and find for that day um strictly one at the beginning and then cd technology came and i realized that you know i could pretty much get the music from cds so i had this trip this awkward transition from vinyl to cds and then only very recently uh, i moved into the digital era. um i ended up with a company called Rain, who develop a lot of DJ equipment with um, DJ Desi Jeff. So, oh, yeah. been a long time fan of his, long time follower of his, and he basically created the Rain 12s. And they're just sitting right here beside me, smirking at me. Oh, yeah. So, what is that? Sorry. So, these are my uh, digital turntables and mixer. Oh, yeah, nice. And that's that's by a company called what? Rain. R A N. Right. Rain. Okay. Never heard of them. Yeah. 
took took me a wee while to make this transition as well again because yeah. it's expensive to buy vinyl, of course, especially shipping it to the Australian. Oh yeah, yeah. hell Nine yeah! Times out of, we all know this. Uh, I know that you're an avid collector as well, Glenn. So it's um it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to collect, but it's not great for your bank account. Um, no. Do you reckon there's no. a difference in the in the sound quality when you're doing it with your when you're talking like live gigs, big setup, big PA, full on bass bins? Always. You notice a difference always. with the vinyl and the media always. and the media. Always different. Always different. Um, vinyl's always vinyl's always just had so much earth to all of its depth and, and, and bass. Um, and I generally, uh, you know, you guys would have heard the MP3s. There's a uh, Highest, you know, quality for digital audio, known as yep. WAV. I don't know if you're yep. aware of that, mm-hmm. but um, I generally only play WAVs through this system. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when I go to play at little clubs here, I generally start distorting the speakers just because of the the style of right. um, format that I'm using. So sometimes I have to dumb everything back down to like even three just to get a nice sound in a club. It's not I, easy to get. I would imagine a lot of listeners here that are listening to this, to what we're talking about, they would probably have record players that they have in a home, in like a lounge or something like that with a couple of speakers. And as a performer, and I know this from like playing acoustic instruments, electric instruments, when you're in a setting when it's really a big rig or something like that, I don't know, 1,000, maybe 5,000 people, you have the sound quality is really alters massively, you know, because it's just so it's it's at a I don't know a high scale. level, I suppose. Yeah, but it's scale. Yeah, so yeah. The resolution suffers. Yeah, you've got to have much higher resolution um, source I've material. I've wondered that about vinyls. You know, when they're cranked right up, I've never yeah. heard a vinyl player like played real loud. I think the problem you you've know? got there just um, the, the the vibrations from the from the setup, um, the bass speakers, yeah. and that because you're supposed to isolate the turntable. From the base to, to be yeah, able right. To, otherwise, you get the feedback, the vibrations going through into the stylus. Into and, the stylus, it just yeah. sounds like shit. Yeah. So, I, mm. I imagine there might be some difficulty. What how have you found that back in the old days, Dom, when you were using um, vinyl? Nah, it was, most of the the clubs I've had it were um, pretty well um, over organised with sound on purpose. Yeah. Uh, yep. One of my favourite clubs, Bath Street. Is a perfect example. Back in Dunedin, Bar Street had two W rig subs to the left of the DJ booth. So a W rig sub has a 18 inch sub, two of them shaped like a W, and then you've got two of those stacked on top of each other. Anytime I played at that club, I would walk away with the left half of my body vibrating because <laughs> <laughs> it was so much. It was so much. And when you're playing like you know, when you're playing house and, and techno, nice. And you're you're feeling your music as you're playing it, and so is everyone in front of you. Um, and that's just nice. you know when you've got something set up like that with vinyl, you know generally it's it's well it's well catered for. You're right, I mean, um, though yeah. about the, the vibration and things, but there's always good ways to um, mm. stop that level of vibration getting to the turntables. Pretty pretty fancy turntables, those DJ rigs. Um, they're not cheap. <laughs> I've no, seen them down at the rock shop. What, what they go for? A lot more than the one I'm rocking on my in my lounge, that's for sure. Oh, oh yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I I I um, have a pair of Technics as well, uh, 1200s. Yeah. They're with um, a good friend of mine in Hamilton, and I've been trying to get them over here 
so much struggle trying to get all my DJ gear over here and it just hasn't happened. So I hit my savings goal last year, a lot of hard work put in and yeah. as soon as they nice. came out, I went for it. Um, and I'll never turn back. Like I, I will always have a, I will always have a love for an appreciation for vinyl. Um, that would be something I'll probably have with my lounge, right? Because you want to play some tunes yeah. and sit down and relax. Um, but in the studio, you know, something that can be a workforce like these rounds are, are pretty Yeah, cool. yep. I just, I just yep. wanted to ask actually, like, as a as a musician, when we when when whenever like Ian goes out for a gig or or I used to, when I was gigging, you go out with a set list. How much do you kind of have like preconceived when you go when you do a gig? Do you actually have like a, a running order kind of like waiting to go or or a rough like, guide uh, or, you, or how or do you just wing it? You awesome, like brown eyed girl, brown eyed <laughs> girl, wagon wheel, <laughs> um, dragon. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> um, yeah, really good question, and and it's huge. Um, all, it's actually the most asked question I always get. Nine times out of ten, um, it's what was released this week, what was released this month, what was released the six months and twelve months, and then what is the amazing tunes that I have that I know work. And nine times out of ten. Um, depending on your crowd, of course, again, that connection you're talking about. Um, you might not use the brand new stuff because it's up to whether they're up, up on that with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, True. You know, today is a different timeline. Everyone's up on everything with everything. Um, back then, it was kind of like, uh, let me drop some labels, Ministry of Sound. Yeah. You know, they were, they were the big kind of leaders mm-hmm. in house music. They were always dropping albums. Every, and, you know, they did a hip-hop version, a jazz version, drum and bass version, you know. They were the ones that were trying to pioneer and push what music went out to the masses, which were obviously picked totally. up by radio in time. Um, if people are buying those, they'll know what these tracks are. So I'm either too far ahead and no one knows what's going on and I have to step back and go there, or I'm, you know, a couple of steps in front of them and they're, they're ready for it too. So it's a real huge, I'm not going to lie, it's a bag of tricks. That's all it is. You turn up with a bag of tricks and it's really like, how is everyone feeling? Can I emulate that feeling or do I create a new feeling? I think you might feel the same way when it comes to playing as well. You know all your tunes. Someone randomly is going to come up to you and say, hey, I really like the way you do the thing you do. Have you thought about playing? You know, Hotel California, that's usually the question you get. I played a rock gig once. And they were they were proper rockers, right? I reckon it was about maybe a hundred people, all really into their rock. And we came on for the second set, and uh, I said to my mate, "I think I'm going to do uh, Soft Cell, Tainted Love, but not the Marilyn Manson version, like a jazzy version." Yeah. And it, my mate thought I was mad, and it absolutely killed it. Went off, man. <laughs> they loved it. <laughs> Hey, we're going to have to flip to the side B in a moment. We're going to get yeah, cut. Good idea. It's so good we'll um, we'll have to have to flip the podcast record over, and we'll meet you on the flip side. Cool, got it. Thank you very much. Zoom recording in progress. Let's begin side two. So, Dom, um, one of the things we do on the show is we we pick a year and we have a bit of a yarn about it. Um, pick a movie and pick a pick an album. Probably because we're all quite more heavily focused on music i think more than the movies not to say we don't enjoy a good film um uh why did you choose 1996 
Yeah, amazing question. I selected it initially because um, not only this was when I was form three, I just started high school, uh, and it's where I started kind of playing music at parties. But I also, um, on the other hand, just finished Will Smith's book, and it gave me a flashback to 1996, especially with some movies and things that had come out and the music at the time. But it was kind of my first year of um, creating me and understanding who I was and understanding music and understanding the effects of music on people. So uh, it's an important year for me and a really cool year for me remembering growing up as well, especially uh, the Lord's Needham and starting high school. So that was kind of the the brain explosion on why I chose 1996. Nice. Uh, it's kind of got a personal connection as well as, um, you know, this Will Smith book and reading that kind of just really, really took me back to that time frame quite heavily. <laughs> 96. Oh. So 96, 90. Oh, I won't tell you what I was doing then because that'll that'll show how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I accepted. I was it hanging worked. out with I was hanging out with David way too much. Grades were suffering. Worked. And I was drinking too much and oh, having yeah. a bit of fun and listening to actually a whole bunch of records that mostly came out in the two years previous. So I don't actually have a lot of choices from 96. I actually sold a whole lot of records from 96 because they were ghastly. Why the hell was I even listening to Bush? What an awful thing. All that band life. <laughs> Disgusting. Absolutely horrible shit. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> really the selection from me this week is much more classy um but yeah i was hanging out with dave lots that was awesome we had a great time but you know I, like, there was a lot of good times during that time riding around in david's car and faking david as a massy student in palmerston north oh, to, that's right. so, so yeah. you could come to easter tawny and um yeah that oh. was really cool and yeah, hey, just on that, shout out to Mike Rawnsley because he yeah. he let me he let me be Mike Rawnsley when I was up at Messi <laughs> when I think he was out somewhere else and I didn't I end up billeting you even though you lived in Palo, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah 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 we, we, no, anyway. did a we did a double billet system so that we could get all our friends from Wellington to come up and stay in Palmy it was awesome stay at my flat it was wonderful it was a good year Dom I'm glad you picked it mate <laughs> it was a good was year good, vintage. Yeah. Um, and one of one of the one of the key things for me is um, you know starting DJing out and moving from house parties to clubs. It was the tail end time frame of um, I, I don't know if you guys remember at the time whether you may have been studying, but um, you generally get your course related costs and uh, oh yeah, there's another, oh, yeah. Payment that you, like living for living true. right yeah 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 yes. When I started DJing in clubs, the government was paying that out annually in the first yeah, month. Oh, yeah. brilliant. To win to win when students to when students were like starting to study for the year. So when February see. came around, it was it was a long party that didn't end until like July, <laughs> August. Um and you, so you could, you could you could mix it out and buy a stereo and, yeah. and a bunch of other gear. Yeah. Completely. Completely. And, and then, so and then, and then or start. you could just drink it, drink yourself stupid at one of Dom's gigs. <laughs> <laughs> as you can imagine, as a, as, a, as a kid in high school, rocking up to play at a club, seeing the, 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 the scenes that you got to see and experience was just phenomenal. Yeah. And seeing that change where it was not paid out anymore annually, it was then paid out weekly, you kind of see the behaviour change in, in, in what's happening. <laughs> that, was, that was something I had to talk about, importantly, because it's something it's I probably remember. I never I see that think, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I don't think we've ever talked about um, government policy on this show before. You've done well, mate. You've managed to sneak that in. <laughs> but the main thing I remember is people bought cars, people bought motorbikes, people bought ski stereos. Trip. Ski trips, people mate. People bought that's... ski trips. Yeah. They just went crazy and then they ran out and it was like, oh, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. And what do you mean you're out? Oh, I can't get any more. I've drawn it all down. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. What are we going to do? I don't know. Suppose we'll go and scab somebody who's still got some and see if That's they right. can supply beers. Exactly. Um, you did. Yeah. Yeah. But importantly, um, nineteen ninety six brought us the Nintendo sixty four. Something I have to drop here, being a oh, yeah. big game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were a few a few big things that happened as well. Um, IBM, their uh, Deep Blue defeated the chess champion Gary Kasparov. I mean, technology. And 96 was a bit weird. Um, cell phones, let's not even go there. I didn't have one. I didn't have one. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I might have had a little green Ericsson. 97, that was. That was 97. That was my first job. Um, it wasn't an Alca- Alcatel. It was a Sony Ericsson little green yep. thing that had the flip thing. So like the old Motorola's that, that had mm. the flip, the flippy bit that you're talking to, like a uh, Star Trek communicator. Uh, yeah. yeah, 97, the year after, but. I had like the, the fluoro orange Alcatel. It was still a brick, but it was it was like it looked. looked yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety six. You could put it in front of the tire of your of your truck to ensure the car doesn't go anywhere because you're hanging back there. So, 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 what album or songs have you selected for us this week, Don? So, um, I think uh, the one thing I've really kind of pointed out is my eclectic love for all music in general. Mm, um, mm. This timeline for me was finding out about Red Hot Chili Peppers um, and, and, and Tupac, like mm. two really, really opposite ends of the spectrum that I brought yeah. at the same time and fell in love with. Uh, All Eyes on Me was a pretty captivating album from Tupac, you know, telling a story about what's happening with him, where he is, and, and you know, what happens when he moves around LA. Change shit. I guess change is good for any of us. Whatever it takes for any of y'all niggas to get up out the hood. Shit, I'm with you. I ain't mad at you. Got nothing but love for you. Do you think, boy? Yeah. All the homies that I ain't talked to in a while. I'ma send this one out for y'all. Know what I mean? Cause I ain't mad at you. Heard y'all tearing up shit out there. Kicking up dust. Giving a motherfuck. <laughs> Yeah, niggas. Cause I ain't mad at you. Now we was once two niggas of the same kind. Quick to holler at a hoochie with the same line. You was just a little smaller, but you still roll. Got stressed a while, A, and hit the hood swole. Remember when you had a Jerry Curl? Didn't quite learn. On the block with your Glock, tripping off Sherm. Collect calls to the tilt, saying how you changed. Oh, you a Muslim now, no more dope game. Heard you might be coming home, just got bailed. Don't wanna chase tail It seems I lost my little homie He's a changed man Hit the pen and now no sinning is the game plan When I talk about money All you see is the struggle When I tell you I'm living large You tell me it's trouble Congratulations on the wedding I hope your wife knows She gotta play it for life And that's no bullshitting I know we grew apart You probably don't remember I used to think for your sister But never win a bender And I can see us after school We bomb on the first motherfucker With the wrong shit on now the whole shit's changed 
Cause I'm just laughing at you You trying hard to maintain Then go ahead Cause I ain't mad at you And then you've got uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers with Blood uh, Sugar Sex Magic, which is mm. a phenomenal piece in itself. Um, I, I, I've, I've loved that band since those days, basically. Um, yeah. And they were two, they were two, they were two, two kind of artists that I had to bring up and, and yep. started out with. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't think of Red Hot Chili Peppers and Two Shakur and Sam Sentence. It doesn't quite work that way, but that's how <laughs> I walked into my local CD store and bought both of those CDs. So no, that's awesome. That's, uh, interesting. you in and uh, what, what what have you thought about for 96 in terms oh. of records or songs that have meant something to you yeah i've i've, I've I, yeah I've, I've written a little bit of a of a, rev- a review do you want to hear yes. it yes so, please so uh, because i knew we had a dj on dom i thought uh i could start my review with a bit of a old school house kind of style in, in respect to Dom and all DJs listening to our podcast, so the well, we'll, is that all right? For a few more in the market after this, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're gonna do so a house wrap. Well, we're gonna a little, a little, a little old old school okay. house. I need a I need a bit of help. So uh, uh, Martin, you can do the beatbox. <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna get Dom. Dom's a man. Oh, I Dom. can tell Dom's a beatboxer from way back. So <laughs> I need I need a bit of a like, guys. This is serious. I need a bit of a. That kind of beat. What, what do you want? Do you want a one twenty eight? Do you want a one twenty eight, or do you want one? Give me a, a one steady one two eight BPM, man. <laughs> put your hands up in the air. Put your hands up in the air. Yes. If like, yeah. <laughs> if you like Eva Cassidy. So uh, <laughs> that's all. That's all I got. I just I thought we'd do a bit of a proper thing, you know. Thank you, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> Loving it. Out here, brothers. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love so, it. So yeah, I chose Eva Cassidy. Um, the live uh, live at Blues Alley is my album. 
And um, I, I chose it because whenever I think of Eva Cassidy, uh, I always think of like sadness and sorrow and like tragedy and loss. All those really sad things, right? And uh, it's nothing wrong with that in a song. God, I love no, those but, things. Love a good yeah, E. I love a good E minor. Yeah, good E minor. But what I think the sad thing about Eva Cassidy is that I think her story, uh, sad story, which we all know, I think that overtook her music. Oh, and um, yeah, I, I think that her music um, is what she should be celebrated for. Her, that, that was her gift and her magic, not not her illness. So I don't think I've ever owned uh, an Eva Cassidy album until about six months ago. And I was in Harwater and I was in a secondhand shop and I saw Eva Cassidy live at Blues Alley. And I thought, ah, oh, yeah, that's that lady, you know, and ah, oh, tragic. But I bought the album and I put it on the car, and oh my god, it blew my mind, man! Have you guys heard the album? Have you heard the no, album? No, I haven't, but I will now. It's yeah, I did listen to it. I'm, yeah, it's I'm pretty good. It's just starting out. It like, I, 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 mm. totally the same reaction from me as well when I first heard it. I just, I yeah. just couldn't believe like. And Dom, have you heard it? Sorry, Martin, you couldn't believe what? Um. Later on, I found out that when she actually recorded that album, she wasn't well. She had a really stinking cold. Yeah. <laughs> she like to listen six, to she it. Like, it's like crystal clear vocal. It's like yeah. the clearest vocal I think I've ever heard on, a, on an album. In that, she and, died in that six months album. after that. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's not bad. Have you heard it, Dom? I have not. I want to ask, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the track of the album? If there is one. Oh. Well, it's 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 basically a, it's basically a cover album. So she all the song and the the album. I mean, talk about eclectic, eclectic, right? So she covers stuff like T Bone Walker, uh, Simon Garfunkel, Irving Berlin. So she does right from the jazz oh, wow. to the blues to the sting to all sorts of stuff, right? Um, oh, poor Simon uh, as well. Yeah, she does a bit of Simon Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Um, she does a song there called Autumn Leaves, mm. which Dave, I think David's going to play a bit Phenomenal of. Phenomenal song. Yeah, good choice, Ian. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're if you an old bastard like me, right, and your tear ducts are dried up and you have no heart and you just, you know, I'm just, I'm resilient to everything. I'm pretty much. You are. This, you are nothing, a rock. I'm yeah. such a sad old git. Nothing can touch me anymore. But if you're, if you're like that, Autumn leaves, um, yeah. I mean, that will uh, that will make you cry. I 
she does in her voice she will touch you um the last song she ever performed live was what a wonderful world and when you know she that's the last live performance mm. and that song on that album uh you tell me on facebook that you haven't shed a tear because my friend you will cry i think that's an episode in itself ian you've just hit on something there mate artists yeah you know where, where they've, they've, they've gone too early and no. What their last Man. song was? Yeah, yeah. I think there's an episode. But she, I mean, the, 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 on the album, outstanding musicians, Lenny Williams on piano. Martin, you're probably familiar with Lenny Williams. Incredible piano player, incredible drummer, sound as bass player, reasonable guitarist. But um, the album was, <laughs> yeah. But you the album was, jazz. I could do better. <laughs> The, um, <laughs> the album the album was self-funded she hadn't been taken on by an album uh, by a label so she funded the whole thing herself um i mean that's just phenomenal mm-hmm. you know Alley, Eva Cassidy, in the immortal words of Blackadder, you're madder than Mad Jack McMad, the winner of last year's Mr. Madman competition. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Well done, Ian. All right, David Chan, what have you got for us? Me? Okay, so 96. Um, You all might remember a Swedish band called The Cardigans. Had a big, big hit with um the song um a song for the movie romeo and juliet that was released uh that year love loveful 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 yeah it was that it was it was the first dance that bromlin and i did at our wedding night really oh Oh, yes bromlin and i bromlin and i loved that song and i know the lyrics are about other things but I, just, <laughs> the, um, I, I think it's um yeah it's a beautiful pop T- tune touch and, the heart. Yep. yeah um, i chose these guys because <laughs> when i first heard the song way back then and even you know up until probably only a few years ago now i i thought this was you know your typical sort of of the time and as well um you know electronic drum beat on a keyboard with some uh 
you know, some manufactured band thrown together at last minute to, you know, put in some vocals and make it sound nice. But I was so wrong. Um, these guys are legit. So the, the Cardigans, uh, Swedish rock band, actually formed by a couple of heavy metalists, would you believe? Um, and, uh, and and the interesting thing about Loveful, and yes, we, we, you know, it is that bittersweet type arrangement mm. where it's a nice um, upbeat poppy tune all in the major keys but it's got some pretty messed up sort of lyrics if you if you think about it um it, it, uh, it's about the sixth or seventh i think it's the seventh track on there the whole album is about um you sort of messed up well it's about love through a different lens through different lenses and there's some real messed up stuff on there and what makes this album really pop i think is um how clever how clever they have been at putting the songs together, the order and kind of the uh, the themes that they cover, and just to give you just to give you guys and, and our listeners a bit of a, a breakdown, and I'll be quick on this because um, I will play a few tracks. But the first track is um, called "New Cuckoo," and it's, it's it's a very you know lush sort of lush strings, very upbeat poppy song about new love, and it's ex- exactly the sort of song you want to open the album to. Quite dark. Um, second track, Been It. It's about love from the, the perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. of um, ending a relationship, from the perspective of someone who is about to end it. Uh, it's quite nasty. It's got some wicked lyrics in there. So the chorus has um, I've been your mother, I've been your father, you can ask me for more. I've been your sister, I've been your mistress, maybe I was your whore. Who can ask me for more? I mean, yeah. that's pretty dark, right? But, but, sounds um, like my kind of girl, man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you might she might have been writing it to you, Ian. I don't know. She, she, she was she was pretty gorgeous, if I remember. Oh, absolute stunner. Gender? Absolute stunner. She still is. Um track three, Heartbreaker. So sonically, this is a very charged up song that you know, um drums are, are very much in the background. Um good horn section um in there, but very delicate vocals. Um, and it's about someone in an abusive relationship who does not like herself, you know. Really creative arrangements. There's a theremin, is it? I think it is. We talked about this the other day. It comes yeah, in the chorus. Yeah, it sounds very, it's it's done in a waltz tempo, a three tempo, very similar to some of the stuff that Bick Rung um, did a few years after in her um, beautiful Collision album. Um, and it sort of took me back to those days. And then you've got this song called Happy Meal 2, which is honestly, this is a brilliant song. Happy Meal 2. It's a song about seducing someone, preparing to win their love. Um, it's very original <laughs> and she talks about she talks about you know getting basically um getting herself ready putting on her face think you know what's she going to talk about at dinner um what's she going to order and then how's it going to go after dinner and she's and it's really messed up right quite dark themes sweet, sweet 
break is the fifth track. You can imagine what that's about. Step on me. Yeah, six tracks. Step on me. Another song about being so desperate and love that you you want you want them to treat you so badly. Um, and then Love Fall comes in track seven. And by the time you get to Love Fall, you ju- you're just ready for it. It's kind of and and so I'm going to play this. I'm going to play the Love Fall, but I'm going to do a lot the live version because I think the mix is so much better than the album version. And when they mm-hmm. play live, because you can hear you can hear the bassist. And you can hear the lead guitarist, especially at the chorus. That I love jangle pop, and it's got this amazing mm. jangly guitar that's buried way beneath um, the, the disco beat um, on the on the album version. But when they play live, um, uh, they've got they've got the guitar right at the front of the mix, and it sounds sounds awesome. I just wanted to a big shout out for um, the album. I should have mentioned it. I didn't. Is um, first band on first the moon? Band on the moon. Yeah, yeah. I've got Cardigans. it. It's, I've got it, and it, it definitely um, appealed because of all of those things. That sort of element when you're being jilted, and you know, yeah, we've all been there probably. It, but you 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 don't realize so some of some you know when you it, it's I mean if they're not the first band to, to basically sing you know messed up lyrics to to a happy upbeat sort of you know. Uh, melody but certainly it, it um it's very effective and because i originally thought this was just another sort of electronica dance band from the 90s that didn't know how to play instruments um i was so wrong and uh and um yeah as listeners you'll see when i put the tracks on um judge for yourself yeah oh, that's awesome um well, I, reckon that, I reckon someone I, I don't know i'm surprised somebody hasn't sampled that um intro to um um, love for and used it. They probably have, but not yeah. yet. I just, not yet. A, I just want to give a shout out to the follow-up album as well, Gran Turismo. Oh, uh, yeah, that that album good. as well is just it's sonically amazing. Great album. And I and and I listened to quite a few of those tracks playing Gran Turismo at the time because they put it on the game soundtrack. Hey, eh? it's amazing Sorry, how much game soundtracks have got me into a whole bunch of music. Hey, eh? like Grand Theft Auto. I remember playing Grand Theft. Auto 4 when it was set in Los Santos and you know GTA bro GTA GTA yeah yeah okay thank you anyway GTA 4 and that was cool because <laughs> it had all this like classic hip-hop and stuff like that on different channels and it was really cool had a great San time listening to it San Andreas that's the one yeah that got me also into a lot of country music because that one right <laughs> well that's what music is it's all these stories eh um, and I was listening to something today. What was that? They're wanting to do a reverse country, which means that you actually get the car back and you get the house back and you get the girl back and you, <laughs> and you get the dog back as well. So, yeah, the dog doesn't a new, it's, a, it's a, new, a new country genre where you actually get everything back. Mm. Yeah. Martin, what have you got for us, mate? 
Well, uh, yeah, so uh, a bit of background on my part. For 96, I was living in London, well, just outside of London, uh, just to, just started my music degree. And at that point in time, 96 in London, you were in one of two groups. You were either into the house scene or you were into Britpop. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was into neither. <laughs> so <laughs> most of my music as well was from like 20 years previous that I was kind of listening to. I was getting into like Zeppelin and Queen and stuff at that time. Um, but every now and again, an album came out and it just like piqued my attention and like grabbed me very, very quickly. So I've gone with Faithless and Revenants. Um, it's an album that I still listen to a lot now. Um, and um, yeah, the house thing was definitely not my scene, but man, like you put on Insomnia or, um, you know, Drifting Away, and I just want to get the glow sticks out. <laughs> it's, like, it's amazing stuff. Um, brilliant, brilliant production from Rollo on both on that album. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, it's a dark album. It's a very mm -hmm. dark, bleak kind of sounding album, but it's also really kind of, uh, it's quite a hodgepodge of styles. I mean, it, obviously, like, it's electronica, it, it's just trip-hop, it's house and trance into it. But you get a track like Don't Leave on the album, which is like this beautiful little ballad um, on, on guitar. It's a very kind of disparate album as well to listen to. Um, but yeah, um, part of it for me, that there is a TV show in the UK called Trigger Happy TV. And it was basically <laughs> a guy who went out um, uh, and basically just like played pranks on people, but he took it to like the nth degree. Like he, he would like literally like dress up as like an old age pensioner and stand on the crossing at Abbey Road and stop the traffic. And like, you know, just kind of dawdle across. And it would take him like eight minutes to cross cross Abbey Road. And then he'd just turn around and like go back again. <laughs> so the car's, car's like literally like backed up for like three quarters of a mile down Abbey Road. Um, Dom Jolly, was it Dom yeah, Jolly? Yeah, Dom Jolly, that's the dude. But he used to play uh, a track off the album, which is called Drifting Away. And 
I, I did choose my two tracks, but I, I want to kind of play a, a little bit of that. So hopefully, like, they can put that in now. Insomnia um, with that that killer riff, killer synth riff in it, uh, which was written by Sister Bliss, who um, she's a multi instrumentalist and uh, and DJ, um, still working today, still still performing, um, brilliant synth player, um, really knows her, her gear. Um, it's it's a great sounding track. say that about because a lot of them sound really really dated now but that album for me doesn't date it's it's like prodigy fat of the land when i put that album on you know it, it's just in its own little mm -hmm. little thing um and um i think yeah i think 96 had a really 96 had a really interesting synth movement right with house and trance and there was a lot of the microcorgs and the 
these new analog synths with they were redeveloping. There was a lot of stuff going on synthesizer world, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, we, at that time, you know, everything was pretty much strictly digital, unless you had like yeah. a lot of cash or, or you were like in Eurasia. You know, <laughs> no one else had analog synths <laughs> at that point. So it was kind of interesting. And, and uh, there's a little doco I, did, I watched the other night with Sister Bliss, and she was saying like all of the gear that they were using at the time was Roland and it was rack gear. It was like synth modules. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, as a as a synth, the JV1080, which was like in every single studio, everybody mm-hmm. had a, J, a Roland JV1080 rack synth in their studio at that time. Um, and the sounds on that still today, it's still being used. I, I still hear it on records, mm-hmm. certain patches, like as a synth head, as, as, a, as a muso, the certain sounds that I know what synth it is, I know what the preset number is, because <laughs> because it's like been there for years and years and everybody know everybody who knows knows mm. those particular sounds and uh, i love i love the 90s late 90s um house and probably house sounds i just love that sound mm. Be- uh, or yeah really like it yeah yeah and it's just that sense of euphoria from listening to that and even, you know it's a dark mm. album as they say mm-hmm. um it, it's uh yeah it, it's kind of uplifting at the same time so yeah, yeah. faithless reverent reverence um good song good good album all right well i'll keep it fairly short so we can have a proper sum up at the end um yeah i've chosen a new zealand band um called super Ed. now i mean there's not many places in the world where they probably have a super Ed, eh? do they have them in england in <laughs> I've never come another cover across another place called Superette. And, you know, Superettes are everywhere in New Zealand. Um, and this band is, from, I think they were from Auckland, but they were on the Flying Nun label, um, which originated out of Dunedin as well, I think, right at the beginning. Um, so, yeah, this is um, Superette, and they made one album, and they were a one, one album wonder, and they had an album called Tiger. And it is, um, I would say, alternative guitar-driven pop. And it's dark as hell, which is hilarious. Um, But there's a really catchy song called Touch Me, um, which is about um, killing of John Lennon from Mark Chapman's perspective, which is pretty dark sort of stuff, but it's quite pretty you know it's a catchier song and david will play a little bit of it um but you know it's like i want a piece of your fame you know touch me i want a piece of your fame
Juice TV up late and going, what the hell is that? That is just wacky as with that really catchy as little riff. And um, yeah, and then eventually got the album and um, there's stuff like Killer Clown on it um, and, and another song, which I'll probably put on the podcast called Saskatchewan with this mega huge riff at the beginning and it chugs all the way through that, it. That riff, Glenn. On such yeah. that I, when I heard that, I thought that that's huge. They use that for like boxing, heavyweight boxing title matches and stuff. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I would say they've probably pinched a bit of it. Um, uh, you guys, when you guys are here, you'll recognise it totally. And it's like that's a riff that is being used all over the world for sporting events. It's been ripped. have a really hot female guitarist um no they had a drummer a I female thought they drummer a female, oh, I, was, I thought they had a redhead girl with ginger no, hair redhead. no i'm not sure i'm not sure but they um well they may have back in the day but super certainly had um a female drummer and i finally got to see them last year um play oh, at nice. the um anniversary show for the um uh, flying nun record label in wellington here and they're all our age now um and it was hilarious they did a set for about 40 minutes where they played a lot of the songs they only you know the songs from tiger at the end of it she stood up and went Whew. you know <laughs> I'm, I'm totally spent it was good but far out i'm um, but it was so good to hear those songs played live again. It was kind of like going to see Garage Land. Um, nice. um, and to hear those, yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm certainly very partial to the old um, guitar-driven pop, um, but this was um, a bit darker, and it's one of those albums for me that has actually remained a kick-ass cool one from 96. Certainly won't be everybody's cup of tea, absolutely not, um, but the Touch Me song is... Um, it's like love for once you hear it, you get that little. Da, 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 da. So yeah, it's a pretty good. It's a, it's a pretty good lyrical album then, not just music. Uh, I I don't really know, Ian. I just really no. dig it. Eh? Yeah, I'll have, I'm, I need to check it out. I didn't have a chance. Yeah, I think I think I think a lot of it is love, broken love, love gone wrong. The usual, oh, pop, the usual pop yeah. rock songs. No, no. Eh? What is nothing shit. wrong with it? Hey. Eh? Yeah, but it seems to resonate for all of us, doesn't it? Is anyone happy in love? Jesus. Oh, yeah, totes. <laughs> I think I am at the moment. Thank you very much. I think I'm pretty stoked. No complaints here. <laughs> you've got to say, you've got to say I'm that. I'm very in love. <laughs> oh, Dave's, Dave's in love. Oh, you look in love, man. Oh, you guys, fun. Guys, yeah. look in love. 
Yeah, but I remember listening to a lot of albums from previous years, like Radiohead's um, The Benz was massive in my brains at the time. And, um, yeah, that was pretty special. And that wasn't quite Britpop or it was it was its own thing, which I really, really I always dug. struggled with Radiohead, man. I struggled with them as a band. I found them just depressing. Yeah, a lot like, of people uh, think that, but it's, it's actually, there's something glorious in it. Uh, no, I think I think you're probably wrong. But anyway. That's what right, I think you are. I know, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. So, Dom, um, um, I know we've got about four minutes left, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but how have you found being on the show tonight with us? Oh, I really enjoyed it, guys. It's, uh, it's been nice to... Have a conversation with some real people. I think that's uh, one thing that doesn't happen every day. So when it does, uh, you generally have appreciation for it. And, you know, um, you guys have taught me a few things about uh, a few albums I need to go back and listen to now. So that's definitely going to be my goal. Whilst I'm recovering from COVID, uh, I'll I'll, uh, take on board your recommendations today and uh, move forward from that. But, yeah, awesome time. I I can't think of it. Who's your influences, Dom? Who do you like? Who do you who do you listen to, man? Um, I've actually stepped back. Um, so with this nineteen ninety six, I've kind of gone from ninety six forward to two thousand, and um, I've fallen back in love with Big Beat. So I've fallen back in love with Norman Cook. Um, what's Big Beat? Can Big you explain? Uh, yeah, what's Big, Big Beat? Yeah, Big Beat's kind of um, the the post house progression of breaks and, and house. Um, Formerly created from uh, Norman Kirk or Fatboy Slim. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that kind of 96, 90, sorry, 98 to 2000 era that he kind of started taking all over the world. I kind of fallen back in love with that, which has made me fall in love with, with breakbeats again as well. So um, <laughs> I know you asked one question, which was what are one of my influences. That could be a podcast in itself. We could have conversations <laughs> with you about that. But um, yeah, love it. Jack- uh, just with you asking me what year to start this podcast with, it's kind of made me go, oh, um, what was what was Fatboy Slim set on, on, on you know, Brighton Beach again? I can't remember. Mm. I listened to it, like, in the weekend, and I was dancing around this office like a crazy little 14-year-old. I just was like, nice. wow. Like Christopher Walken. What do you think to, um, what do you think to Boy George? Oh, say that again there, Ian. What do you think to Boy George? I love Boy George. Uh, as an artist and a DJ, yeah, absolutely. Um, he he is probably where I fell in love with him was early when my auntie I uh, talked about in the last half lived with us. You know, her influences were very much that kind of um, what was being fed to New Zealand at that time of the kind of 80s moving forward in the 90s. So... I, I, you know, she was listening to stuff like, uh, you know, Tom Checker and, and all sorts of random, you know, kind of music from different places coming through. And Boy George was one of them. Uh, I think, um, who does the track? Oh, Roxette. Roxette was one of her favourite bands. Yeah. Joy, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fell in love with those guys too. Just yeah. I guess, you know, the thing I love about music in general is it's infectious and, and you know, mm-hmm. how, how, it, how it can make you feel is 
multiplied by a million. So, you know, if I'm in a good group here, I know someone else is doing it somewhere else too. Yeah, awesome. Hey, thank you so much for joining us as our our first guest. Um, it's been Yay. an absolute it, yeah, Yay. it is. It's been whoop, a, it's, it's been an whoop, absolute whoop. delight to have you with us, and um, uh, I wish you well with um, your recovery, man. And um, I suspect you would, if you want to come back one day, please yell out. Oh, it's been a few. You need some. Some more random conversation. I'm always here. <laughs> oh, nice. I know. I, I thought Love of you, man, because we've had some good random conversations over the years. I'll fit lost. Don't worry. Thank you. Well, you're Cheers, most guys. welcome. Thank you.